Welcome to this week's Science Metaverse podcast. I'm Keita Funakawa. And I'm Steve Mufoski. Yeah, so not too much going on this week, but I thought I'd pick three kind of cool things that I saw. Uh, the first thing was um, the new collaboration between Niantic and Qualcomm uh, to taking on a new outdoor-oriented AR headset, uh, which looked really cool. Um yeah, so I mean, you know, Niantic, uh, for those of you unfamiliar, is widely popularly known for their Pokemon Go series, as well as uh, previous to Pokemon Go, um, they were actually known for a different uh, outdoor real world game called, oh my God, what was it, Steve? Oh uh, man, you're blanking on it too. I, I've been trying to think of it the whole time. <laughs> Um, Ingress. It was called Ingress. Ingress. Yes, yes, it was yeah. indeed. Yeah, yep. And uh, Ing- well, Ingress will have like a cult following, and then they basically use the same engine to, and then like put a Pokemon skin on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically Pokemon Go. Very smart move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still remember in twenty the summer of twenty sixteen, I believe it was. Yeah, I remember when we were at the basement um, in Mandeville, oh, yeah. and then like. People were literally running around campus at UC San Diego to try to catch Pokemon. Like it was, it was like a massive movement, and I still, it was, yeah, I clearly remember that time. Yeah, and it didn't even have like all the features. It was just yeah, you know, basic like walk around, swipe up to catch Pokemon, and and hit the stops. But like all the Poke stops and um, uh, the geographic locations, like all that was just Ingress, and so really smart moves, just. Reskin um, all the waypoints from Ingress as Pokestops and gyms, um, and then just have people catch Pokemon. Yeah, it was like it, it, it was what the AR type of you know overlay transparent world was waiting for. Um, and Murder Benji, and yeah, they've been improving it. And like, I think they actually added a lot of the features that um, you know, early people wanted, like trading Pokemon and all that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited oh. that they're working with Qualcomm on on some uh, glasses though. I mean that should be really cool to you know see, and they look pretty lightweight in the render, like they're just kind of uh, you know visor type sunglasses in the uh, the mockup. Yeah, I mean, I guess what do you think about you know because Snap had their um, their latest uh, prototype that they only released to developers and artists, which was their Snap uh, spectacles, like the actual AR spectacles, and like not the camera spectacles. Right, mm-hmm. um, which I heard actually was I, anecdotally so it was supposedly really really good as like kind of a display AR headset, but was um, the battery life is what was ultimately mm-hmm. like really not good enough about it. So would be curious to see how they tackle those things. But yeah, I mean, come, what were your other thoughts about this collaboration? Yeah, well, you know, there's people that have tried a variety of different like battery solutions. Um, yeah, I think if you want like a lightweight glasses type form factor, um, so long as you have a you know, charging ability while you're using it, you could have one of those neck batteries or one of the like hip batteries or in your backpack or in your pocket. I don't, I don't know. It was like there's a solution to battery life and it's just to get more batteries. Um, but it's a uh, it's a reference headset, right? So I kind of doubt we'll see any headset that looks exactly like this, you know, new AR render. Um, but hopefully, it um, is a step in the direction towards like the commodification of these AR headsets because you know, four hundred bucks for a Quest Two, great deal, right? You, know, you can just kind of buy one off the shelf. Uh, three grand for um, you know Magic Leap Two or the Hololens Two. Um, it's kind of a big leap for a lot of people. Um, and so if you could get these more, you know, commoditized, like 
you know, Lenovo and HP and Dell, like anybody could just kind of make a headset because there's like this reference headset that all the OEMs could then kind of like make one of these. Um, I think that'll be a, a very necessary move just to make this technology more ubiquitous for people. Definitely. Yeah, no, it reminds me of the, uh, you know, or OG Windows Mixed Reality mm-hmm. headsets back in the day. I mean, on that note, like who do you, you know, out of Windows Mixed Reality, it seems like HP prevailed with their, you know, Reverb G2 series. Um, but, you know, if you had to make a prediction, who do you think uh, is going to be the main or the you know winning manufacturer out of this what reference design? Um, yeah, I don't know if the manufacturer is really going for winning. Um, you know, they, they each have their product lines across computers, monitors, um, you know, many other technological items. And some of them expanded with uh, the Windows Mixed Reality VR headsets. Um, yeah, I think Lenovo and HP are probably some of the stronger ones that were in that. Uh, Windows Mixed Reality headset race, so I would think that you know one of them is going to do well. But you know, Samsung's always been a big player. Um, you know, Acer, Asus, Dell. I'm not sure uh, what their I mean, strategies I get, are all for this. Wait, wait, are, you, are you talking about to in regards to this uh, reference design with Niantic and Qualcomm? Oh, well, I'm just saying on on the old mixed reality. Um, oh you know, yeah, like yeah. I believe people were calling that like you know reference headset, and then it went to all the OEMs, and each OEM kind of made their own version of it. So I could see yeah. something similar happening with this, where it's a reference headset, and then each OEM kind of makes their own version. No, of no, the no. Headset. yeah, yeah, I understand. I guess my question is like, you know, HP and Lenovo were kind of like the you know it, out of all the Windows mixed reality headsets that were sold, right? They probably took majority, probably HP, yeah. right? Um, so who do you think is going to take the majority of the, you know, I guess, market share of whatever comes yeah, from yeah, this well, reference? Like, like I was saying, I, I, I still think HP and Lenovo are some of the stronger really? players okay. in this space. I, mean, um, I, think, I think Samsung has a shot, and then I'm not feeling as hot about Asus, Acer, and Dell. Like, I think so I was actually fine. thinking Google would, would be it. Because, you know, like HP, I, I haven't seen a product out of HP that actually uses a Qualcomm chips. So I'm I'm sl- somewhat bearish on HP actually doing anything. Um, Lenovo, I could see something happening uh, because they're really kind of leaning into the think reality strategy. Uh, you know, we, we saw the announcement of their new headset and obviously that's uh, happening. But, you know, like Google supposedly is reinvesting into AR, VR, XR, right? So maybe, you know, that's why I was thinking. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen too much from Samsung recently, right? Um, so maybe they might come back, but yeah, my, my top pick are Google, Lenovo and Samsung in that, in that order. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen much from Google over the years. Like they're obviously behind meta and, um, yeah, magically and, and Microsoft in terms of AR headsets. But, um, I thought that they were focusing more on like search and like generating profit and, you know, focusing on the areas of, of business that make them money. I'm not sure where they're going to be going in the whole AR, VR type of world right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a yeah, yeah, there was a there was a story earlier, I believe, during the summer that they just re, re restarted their AR VR division and they were like hiring thousands of people. Uh, and then it, around the same time, there was also a news story about you know them investing in SideQuest, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it you know that it, yeah, I, and I I agree with you though. I've also heard kind of conflicting. Things about them focusing, you know, doubling down on search and all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, a- any particular thing you're excited about this? I didn't see it. W- it looked like all hand tracking, right? No, no six stuff. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, the fact that you could buy the um, MetaQuest Pro controller separately from the headset makes me think that that's like a broader industry trend. That um, yeah, maybe if in, in an extreme case, you would just buy a headset with just hand tracking and then have the controllers be available um, as like an after purchase decision. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hand tracking does a pretty good job. But I, I still like controllers for high fidelity. Yeah. Well, um, I am, you know, this is actually like, uh, like the only other outdoor specific headset I could think of is the spectacles, right. Uh, or the, you know, the, the, the dev kit spectacles, um, or even, I guess the normal spectacles, uh, or, you know, the Ray-Bans, uh, as well from, from meta. Um, and so, and to my knowledge, I, I think that the, you know, the Quest Pro, uh, controllers aren't outdoor ready. So um, that's something I'm curious about as well as like the outdoor dedicated outdoor, mm. you know, design, right. Is a, is a major part of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I've met, you know, pretty uh, prominent people in the VR industry that, um, you know, don't like camera based uh, glasses. You know, they think that uh, people having smart glasses with cameras is kind of like not socially acceptable. I do like this design that it does, look more approachable you know i could like walk around outside potentially with it and it you know seems to be um you know more normal looking compared to a lot of the other you know clunkier headsets out there and um yeah on the on the controller input yeah it's a good point like i've used a little bit of the uh quest pro outside and i have lost controller tracking um you know sometimes and yeah maybe that's another factor just to you know make sure that everything works really really well in outdoor environments yeah yeah it will be interesting you know like the i feel like the the industry especially from the vr side of things hasn't really tackled the outdoor use cases yet um you know ar uh, you know obviously has somewhat of an extensive history of trying to make it work right but if you come in from, from the vr vr mr angle right the outdoor thing i mean i i would love mm-hmm. to use the quest pro outdoor and in fact like i i just like you know honestly i would just put this thing on my headset to like go through the grocery store and which is fully indoors, right? And like to just have an overlay of like, oh, what are you looking for? Oh, that thing that's on this aisle, right? Like I, I just hate talking to you know people like uh, like employees that you know I don't know. I just I always feel guilty. I'm like wasting their time or whatever. Uh, and it also takes time. And like I'm usually interrupting something that they're already doing. And I don't know. I feel bad all the time, so I would love to have yeah, an yeah, AR. I, I just MR go glasses. down every aisle. My my wife hates it, but um, yeah, I just go up and down like literally like every aisle in the store. Yeah, but it's like Home Depot's freaking ex- impossible. Yes, okay, Home it's Depot. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I don't go down every <laughs> aisle on that one. That's too much. Well, and it's 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 like the thing is the Home Depot like the the warehouse is too big, and what you're looking for is too small, and so like. The likelihood of you missing <laughs> is, yep. is like way too large. Yeah. Um, but but um, yeah, well, so that's kind of the, I think pretty much the main thing about the new Niantic Snapdragon, uh, Niantic Snapdragon uh, Qualcomm collaboration. Um, you know, speaking of grocery stores, one thing that I wanted to also talk about this week was this really awesome Twitter thread on uh, how uh, Shopify's team is using the Quest Pro for um, uh, it's like a heat map of what where the users are looking at um, in like a store, and it's just, I just love the this use case 
Um, you know, I think there's a bunch of different implications of this for, you know, clinical purposes within DSI, but also just, you know, researchers as well and, and what, you know, important equipment, how they look at things within their lab. Um, I just think that, the you know, the, the applications for um, eye tracked heat map uh, is so uh, eye tracked heat map in mixed reality specifically, right? Uh, is enormous and and really awesome to see this kind of thing starting to uh, be shown uh, within kind of uh, you know examples and stuff before it was all theoretical and and we are now start to having some actual things that we could point to. So um, yeah, super stoked for it. Did, did you get a chance to uh, look at that Twitter thread? Yeah, yeah, actually, I, I, I saw it and yeah, I, I think people have been doing this for the most part with like TV screens in terms of like eye tracking and like looking at how, um, you know, different, uh, you know, people would look at different parts of the movie or, or something like that. Um, but when you take it into the real world, you know, it's just like such a, a huge environment of where people could be gazing. So, um, you know, where it's going to have an impact. I don't know. I mean, you know, consumer product sort of layout design for, for shopkeepers is one thing, but um, I think that researchers are, are going to be using uh, these headsets in that context just to get a better idea of like, you know, human behavior. Um, you know, nobody walks around uh, in real life with eye trackers on that just kind of like map where they're looking in, in the environment. But um, now for only 1500 bucks, right. You know, this is now a tool that people could, use in order to you know map out different human behaviors whether that's you know purchasing uh, things in a store and seeing where they're gazing what items they're looking at um or maybe you know cooler things that are um you know better for society that um you know give us in, insights on how to i don't know not get too distracted by our phone every two seconds or something like that yeah you know on, on that note like i do think that you know i, I know like, as you mentioned right there's already been some studies with like movies and stuff um Right. But like, I do think that there's a large, uh, what was it the observer effect or whatever of like tainting the data set because people know that you're being observed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, you know, even though people obviously will, you know, have headsets on and they'll be aware of it, the longer you have it on, the less you start to think about it. Right. And I think the less that kind of observer effect starts to have on the data. So, um, I do think that like, we're going to get like, you know, totally agree with you. We're going to get way more, um, data on how normal people look at reality right is <laughs> as a whole um so that's cool and then I, you know the next step is then to use this on uh you know a software layer right not just the the real life layer but you know an application such as ours where where the user is looking at what buttons do they tend to look at what buttons are distracting distracting and are you know catching their attention when they're not, it's not supposed to etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think those are types of you know big things that eye tracking can enable that I'm really looking forward to. So um, if you uh, check out the Twitter thread, there's some really cool videos and drifts. So definitely check that out. Um, the the uh, person who posted this is uh, Russ Match Matchmayer, Mask Maker Mayor, uh, and uh, he goes by at Strange Native is his Twitter handle. So definitely check out that uh, Twitter thread. I'll make sure to post the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so those, those are kind of the, the top two things kind of on the VR AR side of things. You know, I, I was looking actually at, you know, DSI stories in the past uh, month or so. Um, and really, um, you know, the, the most science metaverse related DSI story was, uh, you know, meta and their protein production uh, algorithm. Um, and there really hasn't been too much coming out of the, the OG DeFi space um, that I've seen at least uh, or 
tried to look up. Um, but, you know, one thing uh, in the crypto side of things that I do think uh, we should probably touch on a little bit, at least, is the FTX SBF. Oh, wait, Sam for Yeah, SBF FTX fiasco that's been happening. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, Steve, you have experience with uh, Mount Gox back in the day. This seems like it's a whole nother level. Um, well, at least Mount Gox seem to try to do the right thing. I don't know. I want to defend, you know, uh, Mark Carpopoulos too much. You know, obviously a lot of people lost uh, a lot of coins and and were pretty upset back then. But it seems like he tried to operate an exchange. There was not a lot of protocols back then on how to operate an exchange. And he ended up getting hacked or siphoning funds and becoming insolvent. And that played out horribly. FTX, on the other hand, (laughs) had a lot of really great other exchanges that have been doing this for a while um, to, you know, really copy. They could have tried to keep one-to-one customer deposits. You know, if I buy a Bitcoin, if I send a Bitcoin, uh, they simply keep that in offline cold storage in a very secure way. Uh, but instead, and, and I, I could be wrong, but based on the news that's emerging, it seems like it was all IOUs. It was all here, I'll take your Bitcoin, I'll take your money, and here's an IOU on our website that says that you have it. Um, but they actually <laughs> didn't. And and that's just terrible, right? This is like Bernie Madoff level. That's just a straight Ponzi scam. And, and I think it kind of gives a bad rep to the whole industry because FTX um, was representing themselves as if they were this, you know, I don't know, uh, shining beacon of like hope and transparency and regulation um you know pro positive like like they were trying to be the nice example of crypto that could play well with the banks and the regulations but at the end of the day they tried to set up a you know really bad fractional reserve type of system um and they really shouldn't have been doing that and uh yeah it's just terrible that now you know you have certain uh u.s uh politicians that are like Oh hey, FTX was a scam. Therefore, like you know, crypto is just a scam. And it's like, well, you know, not your keys, not your coins. You know, the whole point of crypto is to kind of own your own money. And so, if you trust some third party like FTX with your money, um, and you lose it, it's like, well, you, know, you probably should have just kept it in a bank. If if you wanted somebody else to hold your money, have the bank hold your money. If you want to hold your own money, hold your own money by managing your own private keys. So, um, yeah, sad situation. Hope that it doesn't uh, have too much fallout across the industry. Obviously, BlockFi and others are, are already getting affected right now, which, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just kind of a, a sad day in the crypto world, but not entirely unexpected. Well, that, I think, is a great note to end it on. Today's uh, going to be a fairly short podcast. Um, that's about it for this week. And we'll see you in the next Science Metaverse podcast episode. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you in the Science Metaverse.